Uh, so again, thank you for being here. Ours is a world of wonder, sights and sounds and smells and creatures. There's nothing like being in a new place to renew our spirit of awe and wonder within our souls. Nothing so sparks in us our awareness of the richness of this creation or the wonderful diversity of its creator. Every destination holds within it a unique beauty and an opportunity to delight. Customs, traditions, folklore, dance, arts, nutrition, nourishment, every destination holds within it its own spirit, its soul, its way of understanding its place in eternity. For those of you who don't already know me, I'm the experimenter at the Momentum Center that serves people with mental illness and addictions and disabilities. We also host community conversations and we lead cultural immersion experiences in order to address the social determinants of mental health. So I want to invite you, if you're interested in learning more, to come to our open house on Tuesday from 4 to 6. Uh, we're in the former Rendezvous restaurant now and would love to tell you all about the many facets of our work. But these determinants of health include at the very outermost level the social structures, policies, and economic systems that affect mental health outcomes for individuals. But like the proverbial fish unable to sense the water that it's swimming in, we're often unaware of the social structures in which we move. Cultural immersion offers us an opportunity to step away and see things from a new perspective. It provides a window into the other tanks at the aquarium. And at best, it invites us to swim out of the tank we regularly occupy in order to look at it from a new perspective. It gives us the ability to see the lens through which we see the world. The Momentum Center leads a variety of cultural immersion experiences. Here in our own country, there's the Civil Rights Road Trip that offers precious insight into our country's legacy of racism and violence and allows us to see how those Part patterns continue to play out today, and a number of you have participated in the Civil Rights Road Trip. We also lead Across the Bridge, an exchange with Muskegon, which allows us to better understand and close the gaps between our communities. And it was just a couple of months ago that we had uh, the folks from Muskegon on Across the Bridge here to celebrate with you on a Sunday morning. And then I lead international cultural immersion trips. Uh, in fact, Chris and Jane and Bill and I just returned from Morocco a few weeks ago. Others here have joined me to China, Tibet, Kenya, Honduras, and Egypt. Uh, and right now we're working on a trip to, back to China to explore the Uyghur Autonomous Region. I lead cultural immersion experiences for two reasons. I do it as a fundraiser for the Momentum Center but I also do it because I believe in its power to change lives for the better, including my own. There are many ways that we can travel the world. Travel is the fabric in many of our lives. A part of what Ed Dupas, am I saying your name right? Part of what Ed may say is a good American life to me. There are many ways uh, we travel in this world. Vacations offer us exotic locations, and respite from the demands of our daily life. But too often we move through vacations as observers, 
moving from place to place, seeing the sights that attract the tourists, while being kept at a distance from the harsher realities and the deeper spirituality of the lands in which we move. Another approach can be a mission trip. Mission trips offer important opportunities to serve and to work side by side and hand in hand with people of a different culture. We move beyond the shelter of resorts in order to be exposed to the harder realities of the lands we visit. But these trips usually limit our experience to one particular place and consume our time with one particular task. Cultural immersion, in contrast, seeks to walk the middle ground, the middle road. It offers an opportunity to visit a variety of places and to meet with and learn from local residents at each destination. And in the process, we become participants in the culture we're exploring, rather than onlookers or do-gooders. We take the time to be fully present in our surroundings and to contemplate what meaning we might discover as each situation unfolds before us. Wherever we go and whoever we travel with, we can make it our objective to travel responsibly. Responsible travel includes seeing and tasting and experiencing a piece of this glorious planet and the people who populate it while challenging us to take on additional steps. To be intentional about connecting more firmly both to the land we explore and to the very ground of our being. Responsible travel opens us up to learning about others and about ourselves. Responsible travel is rooted in humility and grace. There are five aspects of responsible travel I want to talk about. Preparing, which is something Cindy led with. Surrendering, meeting, caring, and returning. Preparing is rooted in anticipation. I have no idea where I am on any of these pictures, so I'm just going to randomly move them. We'll go back to this one in a moment. Uh, when we travel responsibly, we take the time to prepare ourselves by learning what we can about the culture we're going to visit. What are the norms and expectations? How do you say hello? Where, what should you pack? We get our papers in order. As we prepared to travel to Morocco, we learned and discovered the practice of removing our shoes before walking into homes or to use our right hand for eating and greeting others and that there will be places we visit where only our guide will speak English. And we anticipate, we feel that beautiful longing for what is to come, but also notice the fear that comes with uncertainty about what is to come. And that definitely happened with Morocco. Questions started being raised about whether it was safe to travel in a Muslim country when the war began between Israel and Palestine. Palestine. It wasn't an unreasonable question, but there really was nothing to fear. Even without a war, the questions arise. In fact, there isn't a destination that I've brought people to that I haven't been asked whether it's really safe to travel there. I think that says a lot about our culture. Fear is natural. When we cross cultures, there's a part of us that can feel threatened. We realize that our frame of reference for looking at the world may be challenged. Culture shock is real. And it happens when what is familiar is gone and we fill in those newly created gaps with anxiety. We can also be overwhelmed by our sense of responsibility 
Should I really be going away? Is this the right time? What if somebody needs me? Ultimately, leaving requires surrender. And that's the next requirement for responsible travel. Surrender isn't about giving up or waving a white flag. It's really about the search for freedom beyond the expectations of others, our family, our friends, our community, our culture. Yako Haman, in his book, Just Travel, says that travel promises a self that is more open, open to transcendence, truer to itself, more connected to others, and less defensive a self that feels alive. Surrendering is a total body response that brings deeper awareness of our connectedness with all around us, as well as with the divine. When we're in the process of travel, surrender calls us to voluntarily give up our need to control. It requires assuming a posture of observation, listening, and inquiring, instead of criticizing, rationalizing, or withdrawing. It means setting aside fear, inflexibility, comparison, and suspicion in order to lean into trust. It means relying on strangers in a strange land every day to guide and direct us, to introduce us to their ways and their customs. It requires the kind of trust that found me and three of my fellow travelers in a public hammam toward the end of our time in Morocco. Oh, this, I'm actually caught up on my slides. Fabulous. With her six-year-old daughter as our interpreter, our hostess Rashida brought us to the corner store for supplies. Black soap, exfoliating glove, a comb. And then into the hammam where she turned us over to two attendants to wash us, scrub us, and introduce us to the gift of community among girls and women of all ages who come together without shame or embarrassment for their weekly bath. Meeting is the next aspect of responsible travel, and Rashida was just one of the very special people we met in Morocco. And I love Cindy's list of all of the people she's met and continues to carry in her heart. As we open ourselves in trust, we meet people who help us grow in relational intelligence and cultural humility. To meet people fully, we're called upon to open our senses and practice seeing, listening, touching, smelling, and eating. The smells of Morocco were exotic and enticing and sometimes a bit offensive. <laughs> Several times we stopped to enjoy the music of the birds that would hover around us. Hisham, our guide, greeted old friends by kissing them on each cheek, and there was seldom any reaction at all when I would accidentally bump into somebody. Quite different from many of my experiences here. Meeting is about suspending judgment, about letting people be who they are, without needing to make them more like us. It's about asking questions that go beneath the surface and listen to deeper answers. Responsible travel also requires appreciation, recognizing the sacrifices people have made for us. In Morocco, that included recognizing and appreciating the people who opened their homes to serve us a meal, who taught us to cook, and who danced with us who walked across the land with us while we rode on their mules so that we could enjoy a meal in a cave with nomads, who took time out of their lives 
to visit over a tea flavored with mint and a generous dose of sugar. For me, meeting meant finding a new appreciation for the discipline of praying five times a day. It's easy to stand in judgment of such a practice and to criticize an expression of faith that would require such an action. What a ridiculous thing to require. <laughs> How absolutely inconvenient to drop everything you're doing five times a day to pray. It's absurd. But there was a true beauty in the discipline and in the act of reverence. Now, I recognize uh, that there's probably a high degree of superstition among practitioners of the call to prayer. Not unlike people in our own country who give credit to the number of supporters on Facebook who join them in prayer to accomplish healing and other minor miracles. Many of us here are much wiser for having experienced the scientific revolution. We've discovered that neither God nor the universe works in such neat and tidy ways. We know that our prayers are intended to move us into the action we seek. So I wonder why we so often feel so much less committed to doing that work. I mean, if we don't believe that God is going to intervene to bring about peace and healing, if we don't believe God is going to intervene to bring about social justice and restore human rights and human dignity, if we don't believe God is going to intervene to set things right, then shouldn't we be working harder than ever, demonstrating ever more fervor in our commitment to accomplish such things? Creating a more just world is, I believe, our task. And responsible travel allows us a platform for directly going about that work, a platform built on caring. Genuine caring is the fourth aspect of responsible travel. Genuine caring recognizes our complicity with unfair systems and opens us up to being personally affected by the experiences of others. Caring means that when there's a drought, you listen to the suggestion of your guide and skip your usual shower, even after you've spent an hour and a half traveling across the desert by camel. It means that you shop at collectives and spend your money in ways that will most benefit the people in the places that you're visiting. It means seeing a burqa and simultaneously expressing concern for gender equality and expressing respect for women who cover their hair and maybe their face because of piety, modesty, family respect, or even a demonstration of cultural views that reject Western culture. Caring means overcoming privileged irresponsibility, since traveling in is in itself a privilege tied to capitalism. It means entering into deep solidarity with others, a solidarity that embraces and celebrates vast differences between people without trying to erase those differences. Haman writes, the human footprint can also be seen, be seen in socio-political and socio-economic impacts on persons and communities, which remind us of our privilege. Our world is desperately in need of this deep sense of belonging to a diverse humanity. Caring required me several years ago to redefine the idea of blessings to stop believing that the material things that I possess are blessings from any kind of God at all. Because if that were so, 
then there are way too many people that a God who gives out blessings has turned their back on and has simply chosen not to bless. And what kind of God would that be? What I had taken to be blessings, what I had thanked God for in the past as blessings were nothing of the sort. If anything, they were stumbling blocks that distracted me from the plight of people around the world, barriers that artificially separated me from others, obstacles to keep me from embracing my interdependence with everyone else, an interdependence that the people I met in Morocco recognized and celebrated. How amazing to be in a community where during the Muslim holidays, the Jews prepare the food for their Muslim neighbors, while the Muslims return the favor during Jewish holidays. And while I would never romanticize poverty, and Morocco is indeed an impoverished country, I believe that there is something that we can learn about a life with less possession a life less worried about protecting those possessions, a life that does require engagement and a struggle to survive, but that doesn't require the chaos and stress that our first world country so often invites into our lives, a world in which Ed DePas and the rest of us may find ourselves not quite being ready to be found in. It has me wondering about human evolution and whether we're evolving toward something or away from something. What happens when we invert Maslow's hierarchy? Do we seek meaning and self-actualization because we've forgotten who we are? Where might we find a balance between living with nature and mastering it? Caring also means that while we're learning about and interacting with others, that we're paying attention to what is happening to us. Are we experiencing trust, gratitude, love? Responsible travel requires that our deeper levels of awareness will be translated into deeper levels of compassion and empathy as we return home. At the very least, we will have been transformed into ambassadors for the country or culture we've come to know. Which brings us to the last aspect of responsible travel, return. We return with the responsibility of telling the story so that others can engage in whatever way they are able, making a donation, sponsoring a student, signing up for a cultural immersion experience themselves. In this way, our contribution is invaluable. We are the people charged with making other people care. We all return from cultural immersion experiences touched in different ways, moved by different experiences. But every one of us who's willing to open our eyes to new realities will be changed. We'll begin to see the lens of our own cultural upbringing. And that will allow us to recognize when it's time to break old patterns and redefine relationships. Too often, we Westerners have tried to help people of other cultures by telling them what they need and then giving it to them, knowing all the while that what they need most is to be more like us. They don't need to be more like us. Responsible travel knows that and understands that it's time to engage in a different dialogue. We start by asking, what is it we have to learn? How can we be of assistance to others? 
And then there's an even more important question to ask. We need to approach our brothers and sisters, our siblings from other cultures, and say with all humility, I'm on a journey in this life. Will you walk with me? Will you help me find my way? By reveling in the intricate and unique work of the hands that fashioned and shaped this universe, and through interaction with diverse people with which our world has been populated, we find the godness that has always been in, with, between, and among us. The divine that we acknowledge in ourselves and others when we use the term namaste. And so I close with a traveling blessing amended from Bishop Woody White. And now may the divine who is behind you, around you, in front of you, and in you also torment you. May the divine keep before you the faces of the hungry, the lonely, the rejected, the despised. Also the beauty of nature, hospitality, and the kindness of strangers. May the divine afflict you as you meet and witness hurt, the wounded, the oppressed, the abused, the victims of violence. May you be reminded that you are part of humanity and nature as you witness the exploitation and destruction of communities and the Earth's natural resources. May the divine grace you with agony, a burning thirst for humility, justice, righteousness, equality, and solidarity. May the divine give you courage and strength and compassion to make ours a better world, to make your community a better community. May you do your best to make it so, whether at home or when you are away from home. And after you have done your best, may you be at peace. Namaste.